Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SIDERETIREDPOD in all capitals for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporting events to concerts, including the NFL and NHL. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. Christmas has come early, or might we call it Koreamus, because welcome to Wednesday or Thursday morning edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It is Dylan, joined alongside Jack, as always. Today, I know we mentioned earlier this week that we want to turn this and really remember that the theme of this podcast, we called it the MLB podcast initially, and we do want to continue to incorporate all 30 Major League Baseball teams, but we're joking, Jack and I, these last couple of days. New York owns baseball, whether it's today or yesterday when you're listening to this Aaron Judge's press conference named the 16th captain of the New York Yankees. We also had Carlos Correa going to the Mets seemingly overnight. And we keep saying we're talking nothing but New York baseball. But look at the big signings. DeGrom is a Met story. Verlander is a Met story. Rodon is a Met story. Judge, Steve Cohen, Kate Upton, anything else you want to throw out there that's happened in the baseball world? It revolves around New York. So here we are once again today. It is December 22nd, Thursday. Fun episode of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. Dylan, Jack, talking about Carlos Correa, talking about Aaron Judge. It is a feel-good day for both of our organizations. Jack, how are you doing today? Very good. Much like much of the baseball world, I woke up in a daze with blurry, just seeing Carlos Correa texts. I kind of put the pieces together in my head, just knowing how there was speculation about his physical and that Steve Cohen is Steve Cohen and had 11th hour interest the last time he was signed a week ago. So it seems like Correa was, you know, would be heading to the Mets. And it's a very interesting contract for 40 million less guaranteed in one less year than the Giants. So the, the Mets are going to get to pay him less, move him off shortstop where it's not only an easier position to defend, but also maybe perhaps less wear and tear as he won't have to cover as much range, maybe spare his body more so and kind of eliminate, or not eliminate, but lessen those injury risks that they have. Also, something peculiar is Fangraphs. This has not been reported anywhere, but according on their website, they have, as under the contract details, he can opt out after 2023. Something to look out for that is unofficial. So I'll, I'll preface with that and make sure to keep that in mind. But if that is the case, we could be seeing an unprecedented scenario in which Carlos Correa is a free agent after three consecutive MVP caliber seasons in which he was a top two or three shortstop in all of baseball. So something really interesting to look for there. And if you're the Mets, you know Correa could have a stellar season for you. Then he opts out, gets his bag, you put either with the Giants or somewhere else. So I think you sign up for that if you win the World Series. If not, it might just be a one-year wonder of having the Puerto Rican brothers man your left side of your infield. Regardless, a seemingly stellar deal for the Mets. And, you know, you talk about injury concerns. Well, it seems like with we look at Robinson Cano, Steve Cohen doesn't have injury concerns. Robinson Cano, you know, um, he was cut this past season despite having, I believe, $46 million left owed to him. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Correa is even cut or not on the Mets with three, four years left. It's not, it doesn't matter to Uncle Stevie. He'll pay you. It doesn't matter. He wants the best lineup in on his team, the best roster available. And when it comes to Correa, now, um, 
He's going to be an excellent, excellent player, especially for the first five, six years of that contract. Once you get to the latter half, maybe he shifts to DH, second base, um, either or, you know, the preferred um, mercy killing of I'll DFA you or trade you somewhere else where they'll pay, where they'll play you and I'll pay you. So it's seemingly everything is working in it, working out for Mets fans in Queens. I think when we went into this offseason, we looked at it, the Mets had eight guys that were on their major league roster that were leaving for free agency. And we said, how are the Mets possibly going to get better this offseason without, I know, DeGrom, we replaced with Verlander. Diaz and Nimmo basically came like identical to the same person back on the roster. The bullpen, we lost Lugo. We replaced him with David Robertson. Adovino came back. Carrasco is still back with the organization. Bassett left, Walker left. We replaced them with Kodai Senga and Jose Quintana. So there was this parallel, and it was a fair point that you made a couple weeks ago. We were like, have the Mets actually gotten better when expanding the payroll by, I think we were at 270 to end last year, and now all of a sudden we're at 495. So the question was, the Mets have spent a boatload of money, but have they gotten better? So this move, which we said, I don't think any of us were expecting Correa to be the move. I know you made the bold prediction of Rafael Devers' trade, which I heard a weird report that I don't think ever could happen. Someone told me, well, what happens if Devers is actually signed to be the DH for the year for the Mets? Like, there's this out of your head. Exactly. That's not happening. As much as I would love for that to happen, I was satisfied, and I even made the point, bring back Conforto, sign us when he was a free agent, J.D. Martinez. There's your proof. We added a bat. The offense got better. Steve Cohen, while he was apparently sipping a martini in Hawaii at afternoon dinner with his wife, Alex, said, sorry, Alex, I need to take this phone call. It's from Scott Boris. And apparently they hammered out a contract for the next four to five hours and ended with Carlos Carrera bear hugging Scott Boris in his hotel room because he wanted to be a Met so badly, which we'll see whether that was truth or that was a bear hug of I still get my $300 million, but the lineup that the Mets have put together, even as a Yankee fan, for in your case, you have to admit that one through nine of whether it's Nimmo, Marte, Lindor, Pete, Correa, McNeil, and then you got a cavalcade of guys at the bottom out of order that are all very solid major league ready caliber starting players, whether it's Kana, Francisco Alvarez, Daniel Vogelbach, Eddie Escobar, Brett Beatty, Omar Narvaez, take any combo of those three guys and stick them in your seven, eight, nine. They're probably middle of the bat order elsewhere, but on the Mets, they're going to all be part of this random platoon, which did just get news. James McCann, who Mets fans hate, I'll put that lightly, is now shipped off. He's being paid to go to Baltimore. And as you just mentioned with Robinson Cano getting cut, Cano is the fifth highest paid player on the Mets in 2023. As much as everyone's make fun of the Mets $500 million payroll, Robinson Cano is the fifth highest paid player behind Scherzer, Verlander, C- or Correa and Lindor. And then it's Cano, which proves Steve Cohen has no limits. I know there was that rumor when DeGrom signed with Texas that made you think, that made other co-hosts Harry think, oh, Stevie has his limits. He wouldn't match the Texas offer. I don't think there's a limit because if there's a limit, reaching the $500 million payroll and seemingly not even being done yet because there was that rumor that circulated today, he might add another bat, he might add another reliever. I don't think when we ditched DeGrom that that's an indication that Stevie had a limit because he went out and signed Verlander and Senga and Nimmo and now Carlos freaking Correa since then. So your thoughts on the Mets offense, the Mets offseason. Is this the best infield in baseball? We'll look at for now just the baseball perspective of the New York Mets. 
Well, I'll answer your last question first. Best infield, yes, without a question. Um, Correa and and Lindor are like Jeter, A-Rod, except, you know, Jeter and A-Rod were past their prime in their 30s, and now we have Lindor, Correa in the prime years of their career. In addition, we have Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil, also all MLB nominees and um, all-star candidates for the coming season. Then in terms of the question of best lineup in baseball, I when I first saw the move, I thought immediately, yes, it has to be the Mets. No, I'm not so sure in terms of, I think there's a real um, legit competition from the Padres for that title. I think it's down to those two teams. There's not really anyone else in the conversation for my mind for the time being. Um, right now, Fangraphs has the two projected um, offensively wise that have the Padres by a considerable edge at 35.9 uh, total offense accumulation versus the Mets at 33.8. That's kind of, you know, you look at um, war in terms of a decimal, um, it's kind of a minute scale, especially when you're talking about an overall and conglomerate um, calculation of you know, of 13 players offensively. Um, just running down the Mets lineup as of right now, according to Fangraphs, roster resource, Nimmo, Correa, Lindor, Alonzo, McNeil, Marte, Vogelbach, Kanye, Narvaez. That is very, very good as is. Not to mention that uh, I imagine Francisco Alvarez, whether it's when he returns from surgery in either the seven hole of the DH or replacing Narvaez as the catcher, will be entering that lineup, which will make it even more deadly. That right there is a force to be reckoned with. Like top two lineup in baseball, no question. But then when you look at over at the Padres side, currently with Kim, Soto, Machado, Bogarts, Cronworth, Carpenter, the D newly acquired DH, Austin Nola, Trent Grisham, Jose Azacar. Um, that is, as is projected to be a very good lineup, not to mention that when Nando comes back, um, he's supposedly, I assume now, barring any kind of miraculous last-minute trade, he would be filling in in left field, just given the occupancy of shortstop being Xander Bogarts, um, third baseman Machado, if Carpenter is getting paid, I assume he's going to be in the lineup. So then he'd, you'd be replacing your nine-hitter with perhaps the best hitter in baseball, Fernando Tatis. He'd be taking it as a leadoff spot with Lindor, uh, like Lindor and uh, Correa, seemingly a dynamic and transcendent duo. It's not quite on the scale of Soto Tatis. So I think it's yet to be seen of which will emerge as the clear cut best lineup in baseball. But for the time being, I think we can satisfy Mets fans by saying they're without a doubt top two, perhaps the best lineup in all the game. All right, I'll buy that. I'll take top two, considering a two years ago, not too long ago, Jonathan VR was hitting leadoff and Kevin Pillar was hitting cleanup. I think Uncle Stevie has done a very solid job with that. I would also like to point out, as a Met fan growing up, we've had two really, I guess, superstar players over the last 15 or so years. David Wright, who if you're watching the video version of this, you see the big poster of David Wright that I have to my left or right, depending on how the video mirrors. And then the second one, the guy on the jersey I'm wearing right now, yes, I, I have not burned mine, Jack, as proof, is Jacob deGrom. And those are the two players that Mets fans always got the jerseys of. And as a big baseball fan that I am, obviously I don't want to just wear the same two baseball shirts over and over and over again. So I got superstar shirts. And I got shirts of players that I thought, that's a cool player I want to model my game after. And there's three that when I went into my closet, Technically four, because I also had a Justin Turner one, because one year I dressed as him as Halloween. Long story, not going to go there today. But there were three jerseys, or four technically, other than Turner. There were four jerseys that I had in my closet that I really thought, these are cool players growing up. I want to get their jersey. 
I'll just show them to you now because this is a fun little exercise we'd like to do, Jack, that the first one was Francisco Lindor right there. The second one was Justin Verlander. And the third one, of course, was Carlos Correa, all three of which are now members of the 2023 New York Mets organization. So it goes to show the Steve Cohen effect is real. Because just a couple short years ago, as I paraded around in David Wright and Jake the Grom jerseys, and I would be reckoned to getting these makeshift jerseys of players on other teams because I wanted to model my game after players who weren't even on my team. And to now know that I can get rid of these and go on the MLB shop and replace my Lindor back then, yes, it says Indians, and I can replace my Justin Verlander and I can replace my Carlos Correa with Mets jerseys is a really feel-good moment for a New York Mets fan who I know our target uh, demographic is a bunch of college and high school age guys that are listening to this, who if you're a Mets fan, you probably have the same sentiment as I do. And now this does bring me, Jack, to the white whale because you know who the fourth jersey is of a player that's a really cool guy that I like to model my game after. Yeah, yeah, don't nod your head. It's an Angel Shohei Otani. So your thoughts, because we do have to go there right now, Last week, you said on the episode, if the Mets signed Carlos Correa, which you quote unquote said there's a 0% chance of that happening. If it was before 6 a.m. last night. Okay, but you then proceeded to double down and said, if that does happen, the Mets are effectively eliminating themselves from the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. I'm now giving you a week later, now that Carlos Correa is a Met, the ability to rescind your statement, knowing that Steve Cohen has no limits and that next offseason, the New York Mets with Craig, exclude the whole opt-out thing because we have no clue what happens there. With Correa on the payroll, with Lindor, with Scherzer, with Verlander, with a Pete extension, with whatever else Steve Cohen's going to put together, are the Mets, quote-unquote, out on Shohei Otani? I won't say out, meaning they're not going to pursue him like the same way the Yankees are out on Otani following the Rodon signing. They certainly will make an offer. Steve Cohen, I'm not going to question his abilities, but it comes to the matter of fact is, the Los Angeles Dodgers, they don't have the means. And in order to ensure that they would have the means, have decided to take the backseat on an offseason that was loaded with talent, abundant talents that they could have plucked. They could have used Aaron Jars to fill an outfield hole that they had Cody, that they previously um, had to release Cody Bellinger. They could have re signed Trey Turner, acquired another shortstop. They could have made a move for a third base, you know, a clear um, third baseman to fill in the hole for Justin Turner. And you look at their payroll. For 2023, they have $175 million in their total allocations. That drops off to $90 million in 2024. And Steve Cohen, do I quote, while well, he said he has no limits, which seems apparent, he also said he's not going to do anything stupid or nonsensical. So it seems like Otani certainly is a fit. That's without a doubt. But I seriously question so uh, Steve Cohen willing to go to a unreasonable, unfathomable amount of country, talking about like a nine-figure per, per year deal for Shohei. Seems like he's going to be worth upwards of 75, 60 to 75 million. It seems like the Dodgers have the West Coast appeal that he's prioritized, maybe not made so vocal about it now just to not eliminate markets, keep the Mets or previously the Yankees involved. But it seems like just with the continued commitment to winning, the extensive and free will and um, ability to allocate their payroll in a way that they can prioritize and pay Shohei any number they want and still remain under the luxury tax threshold, it seems like he's going to be a Los Angeles Dodger. 
I, I agree with you completely that the Steve Cohn quotes exist out there and that he's not going to spend, I think it was last year, the quote was, I'm not going to spend like drunken sailors. And then it was like, I'm not going to go too far over the limit. And then all of a sudden there was a switch around the GM meetings and the winter meetings and the winter when everyone was together and you saw Trey Turner sign for a lot of money where all of a sudden a switch flipped and Steve Cohn made the one quote that caused everyone to say, uh-oh, is when he said, well, if I'm going to go over the Steve Cohen tax, I'm not just going to go over by 20 million. And it makes no sense to just go over by a little bit. Fast forward, what are we, two weeks removed from the GM meetings, winter meetings? And all of a sudden, the Mets payroll sits at $498 million, including the tax, which is almost $200 million more than the New York Yankees, who are the second highest. And we'll get to them in a second. Steve Cohen, for all his, I'm not spending like a drunken sailor and I'm not going to go crazy. I hate to tell him, but he already did. I think signing Correa, which I know he's only roughly $30 million a year. However, where Steve Cohen is in the tax, that's basically $60 million a year, which took the Mets from 420 to $500 million. He's reached the point of being a crazy, never count him out from anything. And as a Met fan, I can just say I absolutely adore that. And I love that quality of him. Now let's switch gears for a bit because I know we're going to wrap up soon. Let's talk about your owner because I think this is something that you have been stressing and we'll get this clip out on the Twitter and the TikTok if you haven't seen it yet. Definitely go check those out. Your owner has named Aaron Judge the 16th captain in Yankee history, something you've been clamoring for, as we can tell from the YouTube, for almost two years now at this point, saying if Aaron Judge is extended, give him the captain, make him a C. I did notice the Yankees don't actually put the C on their jerseys, which is an interesting thing, though they do have the nice big nike logo but that's a story for another day on their logo but the yankees judge did get upstaged a little bit by the fact that the back pages i can guarantee are going to be correa in a mets jersey but aaron judge still nonetheless a very important day for the yankees organization one that won't grab a ton of headlines because it feels like it had to have been done but it is a good feeling i assume on your behalf that it actually is official Yes, certainly. Very reassuring just knowing that the shenanigans that can unfold when deals are not officially and pen to paper done, while it's not really an analogous situation, I was very happy to see Aaron Judge and Derek Jeter alongside for a press conference being named the 16th half captain in team history. Well, it is technically the 16th. I'd say if you ask most Yankee fans what the lineage is really and like unofficially considered is Lou Gehrig to Thurman Munson to Don Mattingly to Derek Jeter and now to Aaron Judge who joined the list of not only Yankees to win the MVP award, the very exclusive list of Yankees to hit 60 home runs, now joins his predecessors in becoming the 16th captain in team history. He looks now, you know, I think there's a kind of a the situation that many people have alluded to is he wants to be Derek Jeter, not Don Mattingly. In terms of playing-wise, I think he's surpassed both already. But in terms of he wants to not be a captain who doesn't win a championship, Mattingly is currently the longest tenured Yankee to ever go his entire career without winning one. Judge, already a six-year veteran, does not want to add to that record. And, you know, it seems now the Yankees have prized themselves. They have an excellent window. They have Carlos Rodon and Garrett Cole locked up. It seems like that's going to be a lethal one-two punch for the years to come. They have Judge under contract for the next nine years, Stanton for another seven or so, I believe. So they have a core that's gone. And people are going to underestimate how this is going to be able to help them win. You know, I think several people said they are they're going to be incapable of adding another $300 million contract. What we kind of saw is like the quote unquote meta of free agent contracts this past offseason is low AAV, 
a ridiculous nonsensical amount of years. So if you look at a guy like Devers or or Machado next offseason, the Yankees want to give them 28, 29 per year. But for you know, um, this would be more so for Devers, a 12 year or a 10 year for Machado. That could well within be well within the confines of the Yankees payroll, considering they could eliminate um Josh Donaldson and Isaiah kind of for Leffa for the same cost that it would be to pay one of those guys. So the Yankees are going to continue to add. They're going to continue to build a window to win. And Aaron Judge is going to be the catalyst. He's not just a locker room presence, but in terms of being, what I would say right now, the best position player in baseball. So the Yankees got their guy. It was a very great moment, one that was long coming and well-deserved and something that Yankee fans already know unofficially. Nice to see the ownership uh, acknowledge it publicly with something that is well, Aaron is well-deserved of receiving. And I think don't be surprised if the Yankees make another move this offseason. I know there's Brian Reynolds rumors swirling, although we've discussed on that, that great player. But if all of a sudden it costs you Oswald Peraza or Jason Dominguez, I'm not sure how confident slash excited you'd be about that. Unless all of a sudden it comes along with an Anthony Volpe's the starting shortstop on this roster. Although Aaron Judge, I think Steve Cohen, these two, we put the thing out on the side retired Instagram, who is the king of New York? Two guys who are very deservedly so to be at the center of the offseason spotlight. It makes a ton of sense that those are the two individuals. Could put Justin Verlander up there. You could put all that sort of fun stuff as well. But I think Cohen spending and Judge cementing himself as the face of baseball player-wise and Cohen cementing himself as the face of baseball owners and baseball operations and spending-wise, those two being in the same city. We saw Judge acknowledge it in his press conference that he said, it's cool what they're doing over there in Queens. We saw Cashman address that. Oh, you see that another New York team is competing. Hal sort of did the fun. Oh, it's good that there's finally two New York teams that are doing good and good for baseball. So both teams, I think, have probably had an upcoming Steve Cohen. I know he hasn't been at the recent press conferences, but I bet if you asked him, he'd probably have the same mutual respect for Hal. But a good thing to see both New York teams doing well. I will say the Steve Cohen poll He's at 58% right now for who's the king of New York, slightly over edging Aaron Judge. I had to throw that in a little bit there that Cohen has now taken a late lead as we head into the wee hours of this 24-hour poll that we have on the Cider Tart Instagram, which if you're listening to this before that expires, make sure to go vote on that. But unless there's anything else you want to throw in, we have a great interview coming out later this week with Hall of Fame voter talking about his ballot. I know it's Hall of Fame season, so we're churning out a bunch of those. We also had one earlier this week with Mark Saxon, where he took us through the nitty gritty of what it's like and how the process works for the Hall of Fame voting, where he then also took us through his ballot as well. But tomorrow's episode that you will hear with another Hall of Fame voter, he will take us more through the analytical side of the actual players eligible on the ballot as he works for Fangraphs and does a lot of the statistics that we mention regularly on this podcast. Well, of course, Jack, unless there's anything else you want to throw in, we will be back relatively soon. Almost Christmas time, almost end of the year. We have some great and exciting future announcements for Side Retired coming up. Again, we have teased this idea of a club ambassador. If you would potentially be interested in this, make sure to check out the Side Retired Instagram and DM us if this sounds like an interesting concept or topic for you. But Jack, unless there's anything else you want to throw in. Nodding heads, shaking heads. All right, so until tomorrow, the side is retired.